You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. At the top of the hour this hour, Casa gets a new president. In what was a surprise even to him, Tony Huerta was asked to become the new president of the board of CASA. You may know Huerta from his work with Impact, or on the sing-off with Urban Method, or perhaps his engineering work and his workshops. With his deep resume, he's a great choice to help the organization enter a new chapter. Tony has said that he's excited, even if he's not quite sure what he's gotten himself into. It appears there are more board changes ahead as CASA is advertising board openings for vice president, treasurer, secretary, and over a half dozen positions in all. So stay tuned. There's got to be more ahead. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Talk Appella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Greg Starr, for... Is this your fourth? This is your fourth time on the show. Is that right, Greg? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's your fourth time on the show as a guest, but also, you have been on multiple episodes doing your new little segment, Greg's Take, where you take listener questions. We had a bunch of good ones for this week, so we're not actually going to have Greg do Greg's Take this week on this episode, but Michael Wingate will do his little beatbox uh, corner thing, which will always be super fun. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, it's great to be uh, you know, on the show again. I mean, I guess I've been on the show a few times now, but... Um, it's good to be on a full segment again. Yeah, this is, uh, so if it's your fourth episode, you are tied with our uh, good buddy Duncan Toomey for most appearances on Tacapella. So that's that's pretty fun. And one of those was with both of you, which is a super fun episode. So Greg, for people who haven't heard the episodes you've been on in the past, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your acapella experience? Okay, well, um, my first acapella experience was in college. I was in a group then called the Huskies, now called Fermata. Mm-hmm. I was in that group for about three and a half years, so almost my entire undergraduate, um, almost the entire time I was an undergraduate. Mm-hmm. And I was also in the Timberman hey, during... Hey, hey. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, for a year and a half during my master's degree. And I've done a good amount of arranging for acapella groups. I arranged several songs for both uh, the Huskies and eventually the Timbermen as well. Um, I'm currently now teaching music at a secondary school for middle and high school students. And yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to dive in today is something that I've been talking about a lot recently on uh, recent Tacapel episodes, and that's auditioning. We had the uh, wonderful Brian Alexander to talk about those um, on one of our more recent episodes. But Greg and I both ran auditions for the Timberman. Greg auditioned for me one year when he was his first year for the group. And I have been doing auditions and I'm like 95% done with them for my current group, Mountain Horns at Colorado State University. So Greg, let's dive into this because auditions are stressful and crazy. And especially the first time you're doing them at a school, at, at your current institution, it can be really hard to navigate. Greg, let's, uh, what was your experience auditioning for uh, Timbermen? Uh, when you auditioned, I want to say in, uh, was that 2014, fall 2014? Yeah. Yeah. 2014. Yeah. Well, yeah. What was that like from your perspective? Well, auditions are always stressful because you can never be totally sure what um, the people running audition are looking for. And um, 
in my case, it was, you know, helpful to, you know, I had talked to you a bit beforehand and I kind of knew a little bit about, you know, what you were looking for mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the Timberman. Um, but it's hard to tell whether, you know, you want to focus on being very musical, being very in tune or whether you want to, you know, mm-hmm. I guess show off your stage presence a bit, whether you want to be a charmer and, you know, <laughs> win people over with your personality it's you know different that people one's look never for different things. For me. I don't know if I've ever won anyone over with my personality in an audition. <laughs> it, it's hard to do in an audition when you're you know when you're nervous and all of that. Yeah. But it's you know it's kind of similar to a job interview in many ways where you can't yep. be fully sure what you know what exactly you want to show off, what you know is going to help you, what's sort of an asset to you. Yeah. And in general, I was just trying to be my best self. You know, trying to pick a song that showcased my voice pretty well. Um, I also wanted to, I guess, come across as pretty laid back, pretty flexible, but it's a kind of a careful balance in that way between really, you know, showing that you have talent and also showing you have the right attitude for a group. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, what was your audition song again? For some reason, I cannot remember it off the top of my head. I sang Lean On Me. Okay, I thought it was either Lean On Me or Stand By Me. Okay, so I, I think all of those points you made are super valid and ones I've come to have like varying perspectives on um, throughout my three times running auditions. So in regards to, um, so for people who don't know, obviously uh, we did for Timberman auditions, it was just a basic, um, you come in and sing a solo song, we check your range, and then if we like those, you get a callback where you, one, learn a piece, a pretty tough piece to uh, that you learn ahead of time and you come and practice it with everyone and you within the kind of you know final thing is you do it with other members uh with no one else on your part to see how well you can like learn a piece of music and hold your part which is very important because timberman was four or five people and everyone was always on their own part and then the other part is sight reading in the audition in the callbacks where we just do a pretty easy piece and we say read it and then we kind of go through the same process where you hold it on your own we see how you do etc etc so greg let's go through the process of this whole thing we did your you did your solo audition and your range check and everything and then what was it like for you uh doing callbacks you you know learning a piece and sight reading a piece what were your feelings going in because it's kind of uh you know with solo auditions it's kind of nice because even though it's just you and the group you're not you know, you're not in the same room as your competitors in a sense, whereas callbacks, you're put in that environment where you're hearing someone saying the same thing you are and trying to figure out kind of, at least when I do this, I'm racing through my head, like I'm trying to do the best I can, but also like, oh man, this person sounds pretty good. Or like, oh, I'm totally better than that person. You're kind of like, you're in a different mindset than when you're just singing for the people, which is nerve wracking in its own way. So what was it like for you in callbacks for Timberman? Well, it was really interesting to, um, hear how other singers, you know, fit into the group and then how I sort of fit in. And what you said is definitely true, you know. On the one hand, of course, you are hoping to make it into the group, but you might hear another, you know, competitor, I suppose, um, sing the same part as you and think, wow, they're pretty good. I I wouldn't want to think, you know, I'm totally denying this person a spot. And at the time, I didn't know that, you know... Um, you were actually considering ha- making it a five-member group and yeah. that it was possible for two of us who were singing uh, the bass part to get into the group. Mm-hmm. And I was actually very relieved when I learned that actually <laughs> you expand the group to five because yeah. um, the other person who was singing the bass part, 
who um, also got in, was doing a very good job. And I was glad good that he old, got into the group, too. Good old too. Jace, Jace Ikehara. <laughs> little we little shout out him. for him. <laughs> yeah, I love him so much. He's one of the few Timbermen who hasn't been on the show yet, so he should definitely take you care of that. should change that. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, definitely could change that. I'll give him a call right now and hold up the phone to the microphone. Really ensure some high audio quality that way. Yeah, I, I, I think all, your, all those points are really relevant in regards to, I know for me, kind of going into that, I was like, okay, let's just see if it became less of a, what I, do I need to fill this like specific amount of members and have this really rigid idea or what's just going to sound best with the group. So for me, from that perspective, uh, both you and Jay sang very in tune, added a lot of sound to the group in a really good way. It felt like a, I want to say like kind of a solid building block in a sense. It you fit into the mold really well. And it made me, it, it didn't feel like, okay, how are we going to get this person to fit in like the vocal sleeve of sound? It's like, oh, this is the vocal sleeve of sound. This is the vocal model that we want. It, it sounded like an ensemble to me. Uh, obviously, the group actually did only stay four people when uh, we invited another tenor as well that year who did not end up joining the group, unfortunately. Um, but I think when it comes to callbacks, it's... You know, honestly, my big thing is as the only returning uh, Mountain Horn vocal member this year, and we got a great turnout and we have some really good people in the group this year. But for me, uh, it's it's so hard. I want to make sure I'm hearing every little thing that people are doing. And it's that's stressful for me. I'm like, wait, were they flat? Were they in tune or did they did they sing that right? How do how do I check on this? Because in Timberman, because in Timberman callbacks, it was pretty easy because there were just. Uh, what six or seven of us there for five spots essentially two of which were already like you know taken what there was three people called back for bass and i think two people called back for tenor so yeah seven and that was pretty easy i could just tell like oh yes greg's singing this in tune okay yes jace is singing this in tune but when you have so many people called back like i did for mountain horns because it seems like with a lot of people when you have a lot of people called back it's a lot easier to miss something yeah and i would add to that um when we did Timberman callbacks, um, we had members of the group singing, you know, some of the parts. And yeah. they were, of course, you know, rock solid on their parts. So mm -hmm. there wasn't an issue. There wasn't as much of an issue of one or more of the parts being lost. Yeah. You know, the uh, the people in the callback were kind of the only question mark. But when mm -hmm. if you're the only returning member and you Oof. have I don't know how many people were in your um, I think we had callback group 15 or 14. Yeah, it was a lot. Oh. So kind of everyone except you is new and you don't know how solid they're going to be on the part. So mm -hmm. it could be the case that um, certain members are just being thrown off by the fact that not every part is really present. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's it's just tricky to keep track of all of that stuff. For Mountain Horn callbacks, I didn't even sing with the group most of the time. I would just I was trying to make sure everyone could like get together and do it. And then as it went on, I jumped in a little bit, but mainly... I didn't want to go out and sing because I wanted to be able to hear what was going on rather than focusing on singing my part right. And that's what's so nice when you have returning members is that like they can kind of focus. They can fo if you ask them to learn a piece and everyone in who's returning already knows it, they can kind of focus on, okay, is this person singing like me? Are they singing my part? Because I'm the expert on on my part here. I know it was really easy. We had one of our members who's been on the show before, Danny. He was like, yeah, this guy was really good on this part. I wasn't feeling it from this guy. And you were like, yeah, this guy did well in here. This guy didn't do so great. And I was like, well, I thought this was good. And I thought this was all right. And it's so you have all these various opinions from like 
uh, specific like experts on this one uh, component of the piece. Whereas when you have all of them, they're all doing something. I'm like, okay, how does this part go again? Obviously I had the music laid out in front of me, but it's still just a big multitasking thing that, that was honestly very overwhelming for me at points. And I was really lucky that I had, um, two to three uh, friends of mine who, though not in the group, were there at Mountain callbacks with me being like, yeah, I thought this person did good. I thought this person did okay. But there were one or two people who I just like, they did something and I missed it because I was focusing on something else. And one of my friends was like, hey, that they really screwed that up. Or, hey, this person was really good. So it's kind of, I mean, it's a catch-22 of trying to balance what you're trying to listen for. Right. And then from the perspective of the people who are involved, who are um, in the callback, you know, trying to make it into the group, it's sort of like a second interview by that point where yeah. pretty much everyone who's made to the callback has um, has at least some potential to be in the group and perhaps they're fairly evenly matched in terms of how well in tune they sing or just how good of a fit they might be for the group. And then um, if you're auditioning, you might be wondering, you know, what's the tiebreaker going to be? Yeah. Is it is it how well I hold my part? Is it, you know, the tone quality I have? Because by that point, it can be a pretty difficult choice. It, you can mm-hmm. come up, you can um, end up with a situation where there are two members that both seem like they could conceivably fit in the group, mm-hmm. but you need to find some way of making a decision. Yep. It's, it's that tiebreaker thing. And the thing is... It's it's hard when it's hard when it's not a clear like it's not like, OK, they both got to the finish line at the same time. It's like one person did better here. This person did better here. What's important about that? What does the group need? And can their uh, mistakes or there's areas where they kind of tripped up in the audition? Can those be covered by other members? That's the thing. Why? That's another reason Timberman callbacks were so easy because at least conceivably now looking back on them because it was just hold your part. If you can't hold your part, there's no way you're in this group because that is the main thing. Whereas with a bunch of people, you can have people cover up other people's uh, issues. If I, if, if you weren't able to hold your part or something and Jace was, you know, it's not like, oh, these both fit in the group. It's like, no, we just, ha- we, it, we, it was a very much like we have to go this way. I know in Timberman callbacks for our, our last year in it, there were quite a few people who could just not hold their part at all. And it was really easy, like to figure it out relatively pretty quickly. It was when we had those people who did great in lots of things that it came down to it. It got into more nitty gritty. How do we figure out who to choose? Yeah. And I can say from my own experience, um, running auditions or being part of the audition process with um, the Huskies now for Mata, mm-hmm. it's more difficult, and we can get into this a little bit, in a yep. larger group when there are many people involved with the decision-making. Yeah. Because, I'll, you know, people have different criteria for what they're looking for in a new member, and that can often cause a lot of tension when there's, mm-hmm. you know, when the group is really split on what's more important. Yeah, I've been going through how hard it was to choose these people, and it was... But when they were chosen, that was it. I was the one who had the final say. I remember I, what do you call it? We had like pretty much decided on callbacks for whatever, like this person would, this person wouldn't be called back. And then as I was sending out the emails to be like, yes, no, I was like, yeah, change my mind. I want to call this person back just in case. And it was really just like a last second thing. And they uh, they didn't end up getting in the group, but they did a lot better. Uh, I'm glad I had them called back. I'm glad I had this guy called back. But it was, you know, what's the line from the office where like, Dwight's in charge of something for a second. Jim says, 
this is so sad. I've never seen such little power go to someone's head. And that's like what it feels like with me. I'm like, I am in control, but it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a back and forth between if I don't have a strong opinion on someone and I don't have someone to kind of like really root for them, I'm, I get stressed. I'm like, okay, well, what should I do here? And then that's why I'm glad I had a few friends with me helping me with that process. But I definitely, it would have been nice to have some other returning vocal members um, to just further uh, solidify or cement my decision. Ultimately, there were only like one or two people. I was like, and then I, you know, kind of went back through some recordings we had of their solo auditions, talked with them, other stuff, and it all became pretty clear. Yeah. And I mean, I remember the second year um, we were in Timbermen, well, second year I was in Timbermen, Um, when there were four of us making the decisions, um, mm-hmm. you know, we did eventually get to a point where the decision making got a little tougher and where yeah. we, you know, we eventually did, um, agree, but it took a little bit of time. You know, we yeah. weren't immediately in agreement about which members, um, yeah. to lend to the group and how, and how to manage the fact that, you know, both of us were leaving halfway through the year. Yeah. And I was glad. Um, so for people who don't know, uh, Greg and I both uh, left the group in December of that year or after uh, the first semester because I was graduating and Greg was starting, you know, full-time student teaching. So it was kind of what we knew we needed. We were going into the year with uh, myself, a baritone, Greg, a baritone, uh, a bass with our friend Jace and our like one tenor with our friend Danny. And what we had was, how many people did we have called back, Greg? Like in terms of we had one person. Yeah, we had one person and we chose a really, really hard piece for them to learn. Um, uh, And it sounded great when we did it that year, but it was it was really hard. It's only like the cream. We got like it was pretty clear really quickly, like who can just even handle or come close to this. Uh, So I believe we had um, one base called back three baritones um three mm, yeah one bass like three maybe four baritones four baritones i think and then three tenors does that sound right i I think we had a couple people who were kind of between baritone and tenor so like probably two tenors two i guess baritenors two true baritones and then a bass yeah 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 or wait no do we had did we say no there was three tenors right because there was like one really, right, yeah, right. yeah, three tenors. Yeah, so, I mean, as I as we did it, I think it came down pretty quickly to our one, like, low bass, one baritone, who were also really sold on. And then wasn't it based in it basically come down to two tenors where the real decision kind of were like, oh, we're on different sides of this. Both of those, yeah. bar- the baritone and bass, um, Alex Lukey, the baritone, and Wyatt Jackson, the bass, both have been on Tacapella before. They are both fantastic and they're both uh leading the group now excellent and an excellent way and they both killed it they both did really good in their callbacks um and but it came down for the tenors it came down between two tenors uh one was slightly lower tenor the other was a good amount higher and greg do you remember how that all kind of broke down how it came down to us choosing one over the other well i think we decided that both did a pretty decent job with their callback they had a decent job holding their part and i think we actually asked both of them at one point um to try to go back and forth between the tenor one and tenor two part yeah on the on and, the sight reading piece not the yeah. yeah and on the one hand um i think we decided one member of the group had more enthusiasm and i think that member of the group showed up on time 
and yeah oh, did the other one did the other one show up late did the other tenor sh- show up late to callbacks yes oh man i forgot that completely oh well then it wouldn't have that yeah. explains another reason why i was so pro for the other tenor yeah and we weren't immediately in agreement with how much that you know mattered whether that was you know whether we wanted to assume that was going to be a trend for that particular person or whether it might have been a one-time thing and we it's hard to be sure at that point yeah and i remember so i remember a few things because again this kind of comes down to the situation i'm sure you a lot of the listeners will uh face was they were good in different areas some areas they were like really close and then there were other things they did better than the other so uh we had we asked both of them to learn the second tenor part in the arrangement the in the piece we asked them to learn in between their audition and their uh callback and that was greg's arrangement of fly me to the moon which is insanely hard it's super fun but it's it's hard man it is a hard piece (laughs) what'd you say i said look it up yeah it's it's really hard um and the thing that happened i remember was uh so the tenor two part hardest thing in that whole piece we asked both of them to learn it and uh i think i just wasn't super clear on the wording in the email or whatever and the uh one tenor we'll call him the enthusiastic tenor before we like reveal names or whatever um uh he actually he actually learned the tenor one part and he was like oh I, i learned the tenor one part and you're like in callbacks at that point and you're like well and then uh the other tenor learned the tenor two part other one, um, the unenthusiastic, slightly late tenor, as we'll call him. Uh, and and Greg, do you remember how they both did? Well, the tenor one part is the melody, so it's much easier. It's much um, easier. The enthusiastic tenor, can we call him E.T.? Yes, we'll call him E.T. <laughs> okay. For the purpose of this podcast. Uh, okay, so E.T. Um, held his part perfectly well. I mean, it's much easier to hold that part since it's the melody and it's the highest part. Mm-hmm. Um U E T I late just less enthusiastic yeah whatever L T we'll call him L T great I hope no one I hope no one tunes in partway through and they're like are they talking about the Spielberg movie or something like that (laughs) okay so we'll call him late tenor L L T um he held his part fairly well there were definitely some moments where I think he lost his footing a little bit but but that but we kind of expected that because it's so hard yeah. Yeah, so in that case, it wasn't as fair of a comparison because one of the parts is just so much harder than the other part. And that was tricky for me because had we, I'm not sure who would have done better had they both learned the tenor two part. But what I got from that kind of back and forth between those two is that besides, you know, enthusiasm and on time and whatnot, uh, the tenor, the uh, ET, the enthusiastic tenor, his voice, what I could tell, fit in very, very well with the group. It was really light and like, um, really just, it came through very well at that part. And it, it just sounded to me like, oh, wow, this guy really fits the sound. Whereas the other tenor, and you know, it's probably harder to fit in the sound when you're doing this part. It just, regardless of like pitch stuff in part, it just didn't sound like he fit in the ensemble quite as well as the other. He also just wasn't as high. And we already had a really strong, like basically second tenor who we'd been asked to sing first tenor, like for a full semester, always doing tenor, no matter what. Um, thanks Danny. Yeah. Thank you, you Danny. <laughs> Pre, you know, snaps for Danny, man, especially that, 
first semester is in the group we were just like hey you need to learn two semesters of music and we haven't done choir in a long time and i hope you, i hope you can do this and he was like oh okay here we go so before we reveal who got into the group the tenor who showed up late or the tenor who uh was enthusiastic as we are naming them for now uh, we're going to take a quick break actually just because we're at that time in the hour we're going to be right back here on Talkapella. we're going to listen to michael wingate do a bunch of fun uh beatbox tutorials and we're going to be right back you're listening to community supported Akaville radio online at Akaville.org. Akaville, a wall of sound you won't want to break down hey everyone i'm michael wingate and i'm bringing you another beatboxing tutorial for talk capella this week this time we're going to be talking about the inward case snare So before I teach this sound, if any of this hurts at all, take a break, drink water, and come back to it. Um, just be careful and listen to your body. Now to start to make this sound, open up your mouth. Start to say the letter U, but stop your mouth right before you start to vocalize it. That's basically the starting mouth position. Now slightly tighten the sides of your cheeks. And then once you're done with that, sharply inhale and say the word kit inwards. So kit, kit. Now say it inwards. You should start feeling that little that little click in the back of your mouth. That is the starting sound that you want. It's most likely going to sound pretty weak at first. Mine sounded like... But once you refine it and you practice, it'll start sounding like... Now, once you get the hang of this sound, you can begin to play around with different mouth positions, uh, how open your throat is, the intake of air, and all that fun stuff. So, for example, you can mute it. So, instead of you can you can change the amount of air you intake. So, instead of you can go. Uh, the amount of openness your throat is, you can change kind of the pitch of it if you open up your throat more. So, so that was that was with an open throat. So, like once you get the basic sound down, you can begin to play around with different uh, things inside your mouth to change the sound, the pitch, the texture, all that stuff. Now, keep in mind that um, sometimes. Uh, people's anatomy is just different and uh, you're not going to be able to get the exact same texture, the exact same sound that someone else has. Um, but you can always have your own unique twist on it. And if you start playing around with uh, different ways of doing the sound, you can find your own unique way to do it. And that's awesome. All right, everyone. I hope it's going along great. Um, I hope these tutorials are uh, actually helping some people. I know it's hard because you don't see any video, but maybe it piques your interest and you go on YouTube or elsewhere and you really start getting into vocal percussion and beatboxing. And that would be awesome. And that's it for my tutorial this week. So I will be back next week on Talkapella with a new beatboxing tutorial. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye.
So Greg and I today have been talking a lot about auditions and our uh, personal stories with auditions, which have uh, both intersected and divided at times. We ended our last segment talking about how it came down to two tenors in our last uh, time we did auditions together. And just a quick recap, it came down to a tenor who is very punctual, professional, and really had a great sound. Another tenor who did have a good sound, but was kind of late, may have had some, may have like hinted at some more musical experience or musical musicianship. But uh, was was still not. It's, he, he seemed very scattered overall. I would say, just with life and the transition, they were both um, first years at the time. So, Greg, uh, what? How did this all? How did this all kind of get resolved? Um, well, I think we eventually came to the agreement that um, the uh, sort of positive attitude that are we still calling him Et? Yeah. Uh, um. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll reveal the name. So, the tenor <laughs> that uh, we ended up taking into the group was enthusiastic on time. Was uh, named Aaron. He's great. Um, great. He's a great, great addition to the group. Aaron, we, we decided that his enthusiasm really was an asset mm-hmm. um, and really could help the group. And he also that, could you know, beatbox. That helped too. That did help. Yeah. And we decided that, you know, if it 
turned out that, you know, it turned out that he did eventually end up singing the second tenor part for Fly Me to the Moon when we performed it. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of fun with that, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. It was, um, he did great, man. He, it was a hard part and he did pretty freaking solid. Basically, we decided that if it, if he were to have any difficulty holding that part, you know, his enthusiasm for the group, he'd work could on it. Kind of help him. Yeah. It would encourage him to, you know, put work into it and, try as hard as he could to really nail the part and we ended up being right about that because although it did take some time he definitely got better and better at the part and he clearly had a really good work ethic and he nailed his parts yeah he ended up being i think one of the best timbermen we had um and and the other guy the other tenor you know really nice guy really really cool but just you know, if you show up late for an audition, if you seem kind of scattered, if, you know, he didn't remember what time his audition, his like solo audition was and everything. It's just, you know, that that says to me, OK, are you you're not going to be on time enough for rehearsal or this idea of auditioning doesn't stress you out to the point that you are going to like really, you know, do everything you can to be there on time and be ready to go and whatnot. And that's, you know, that gets to the thing that I think a lot of people come to with these auditions is auditioning personalities more than voices. I think there is a balance and I'm moved kind of more in the middle on that uh, because you do need to have the right voices to make the right sound. And part of being in an acapella group is working with the personalities you have, because you won't always get to choose. Maybe you're in a group, you become the director, but you didn't choose everyone. They were chosen before you got there, et cetera, et cetera. So unfortunately with Aaron, um, who's a great singer, he had to leave uh, the university for um, just, you know, something he had to go home and handle and which was very admirable and, and he did not end up coming back. So that was kind of, there's definitely this sense of like, oh, should we have chosen the other guy? To, so then he, because as far as I know, that tenor who did not get in the group is still at um, our undergrad university, Puget Sound. But I kind of go back to, no, I think he was the right choice. I think the, you know, had I known he was leaving, yeah, I probably would have gone with the other guy, but no one could have known that. And I still think the um, kind of the logic we used in our decision-making process is still an approach I use today of, you know, well-rounded rather than solid in all these areas and then like a real issue in one. So uh, like we had with that other tenor. So, so yeah, that kind of wraps up that little Greg and I's adventures in in timbermanning and finding our and finding our loggers and finding our, uh, what do you call it, our our lumberjacks and whatnot. So great. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your experience doing auditions with, uh, then the Huskies now Fermata. Well, it was a very different experience from, um, auditioning and eventually, um, being part of the audition process in Timberman because Huskies, I guess I'll say Fermata now was a much larger group. How big was it? And, um, well, it usually varied between, it was about 12 or 13 members my freshman year, and by my senior year, it was around 17 or 18. Oh, that is big. Yeah, quite yeah. a big group. And yeah. often, we'd be auditioning for only three, maybe four slots, so there'd be more than 10 people running auditions and being part mm-hmm. of the decision-making process. Yeah. And one of the difficulties of that is that, you know, especially when you have... We'd sometimes have 50 or 60 people auditioning and we'd wow, have to pick just nice. three or four of them. Yeah. Wow. And then we only started doing callbacks my junior year. Um, and often, you know, when you have that many people in a group, there's not always widespread agreement about what you're looking for. Some of us were really looking for people who were strong musicians and could really hold their part and contribute a lot in terms of, you know, 
holding apart and saying in tune. Other people really looked for someone with, you know, a really solid stage presence. Some people wanted someone with just the right attitude. And so it was really hard to reach an agreement at times. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if you don't mind if I interrupt you for a second, Greg, on your train of thought. Um, So if you had 50 to 60 people audition, you know, that must that must mean you had to turn down some really great people at times. And I bet that was really hard. Did it ever make you think that hmm, maybe we should, did, did you ever have to turn someone down who you thought, uh, if you, who you critically thought was better than someone already in the group? Do you mean did the group as a whole make a decision that I personally disagreed with? No, as in like, is there anyone that you think would have been better than a pre, a current member of Fermata at that time? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of hard for me to say, and I'm not sure I want to get too much into, you know, mm-hmm. this, I definitely don't want to name any specific names. Oh, no, no, no. Um, yeah. There were definitely some very difficult decisions. I think there were times when um, we were voting between two different people. And in, I think, two or three of those cases, the group um, the group chose the person that I did not vote for. Mm-hmm. And I think that in some of those cases, the person that was under the group did a perfectly fine job. And it's not that I disliked them or that I didn't think they mm-hmm. were talented. Um, and it's hard to say what would have happened if the other person had mm-hmm. been let into the group. Yeah, And I think... There were definitely times when we were, um, when we made it down to, you know, five people for two spots and we had to knowingly turn away some people who were talented and we thought could do well in the group just because we couldn't let everyone into the group. I think there were a couple of decisions where people went with someone with a lot of enthusiasm, someone who seemed to, you know, really have a lot of confidence and it turned out that they weren't as strong in terms of reading music and Mm -hmm. kind of relied on other people, you know, to learn their part. And so I do, it's interesting to wonder what could have happened if someone else, if the other person had been let into the group. And I think in one case, I'm going to get to one specific example Mm -hmm. without mentioning names, just I'll use voice parts. Um, We were very split on two women that we wanted to let into the group. Um, Both of them were kind of mezzos, and I think saying alto more often than not, but we needed a second soprano. Mm. And so it came down to who could manage singing second soprano, who could could survive on that part, even though it's not necessarily the most natural part of their range. And... You know, one of them could sing up to a high G, the other one really couldn't get much above a C. So it ended up being a much easier decision when that was our criteria. So, you know, it really depends on what criteria you establish. And in a larger group, it can be very difficult to establish criteria. And sometimes the group never fully agrees on what the criteria should be. Yeah, and we'll and we'll get to this in a second. I know uh, you and me, Greg, and all everyone else in the group before we did auditions for that tenor in our going into our last semester. We had a very strong idea of what we wanted, and Aaron really filled that, which is I think another part of my gut reaction for wanting him in. I I, I think this point, Greg, you're making about hard decisions with groups. Um, I think it just comes down to that's where for me, if I was in that situation, it kind of begs the question of should people be reauditioned every year? Um, to let in these kind of, you know, if there are these really great people, uh, is it possible the group would be better off with someone who was already in the group not continuing and having a new person come in? And I overall, I choose to not go with that. I don't really believe in that philosophy because I think that destabilizes too much of like oh, yeah. the feeling <laughs> of if I'm in the question of who who decides who gets back in. But I Who's think on the chopping block, yeah. Who's on the chopping block, though I do think... It is, 
if you have someone who's maybe quote unquote on probation, or if you've had multiple conversations about, Hey, you're not putting in the effort, you're not holding your part. You're just really not contributing what you should be doing. You need to show us maybe not in auditions, but you need to show us at this point in the year that it, we don't need to have re-auditions even for just some people. I think, um, cause I do think doing re-auditions is just when it's a student led group does get too crazy, but you know, I, I would hate for someone who is really great and really wants to be in the group, um, who is like way better than, you know, half the group or really better than at least one person get turned away by someone who is not, who is already in the group who might not be pulling their weight. That's a really good point. And I also think the point you made about, you know, re-auditioning, possibly destabilizing the group is something mm-hmm. to really consider because especially with a large group, if you were to re-audition or say that some people need to prove prove that they do belong in the group, it's again, political. It, it, it can get political and it can also be hard to reach consensus about, you know, who should be on probation, who isn't pulling their weight. And people might disagree about that. And then again, you know, is the criteria, you know, how well you hold your part? Is it um, how good you are at stage presence? How being on time for rehearsals? Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's all about like stage presence and who is sort of a ray of sunshine in the group, hell, I might have been on the chopping block. I would have been on the chopping block for sure. Um, But yeah, I think definitely it's important to consistently hold members of the group accountable and to try and make it clear what you want of the group. And it might it might be multi-layered. It might be you want the group to be very strong musically and you want, you yeah. know, people who are very enthusiastic about the group, willing to give a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially in large groups, members should always be kind of holding each other accountable and, you know, yeah. expecting a lot out of each other. Yeah. And I think how you manage that is you set really clear, you know, goals for the like, hey, or um, set a really clear like, hey, this is the level we perform at. When we, uh, Mountain Horns is doing kind of a part rehearsal, part not even part rehearsal, part like audition, but mainly business meeting tonight with everyone who got in uh, because we have, I want to say, five more people coming in to audition because we didn't get, we wanted two more low bases and we want one more first tenor. And honestly, uh, this will go up after those happen. I'm pretty sure we already know who those are going to be. It's going to be pretty clear, which is great. And then the other half of this meeting tonight is going over as a whole, what we want out of the group, and I got this from Greg and I's old uh, conducting professor, uh, Dr. Gerard Morris from the University of Puget Sound, is setting at the beginning of the year, um, setting like your goals and your expectations for the group as a whole, rather than you imposing them, like getting everyone involved in that process. I know our professor was like, okay, I sat down with these kids and I said, what do we want to do this year? It's like, we want to beat this other group and you know we want to beat this other band or whatever and that was really not realistic and they were like and he was like okay well is that realistic or is that just like a pipe dream let's set some goals you know kind of facilitate have the you know the director or the president or the musical director facilitate the process but make sure everyone has a stake in it so in in the expectations of the group rather than me as the returning member and the musical director for the group me saying this is how things are and you have to deal with it having everyone involved means like if they break the rules or if they aren't following those expectations at some point in the year, we can, I can say, Hey, we all established these rules together. We all agreed to them. It's not like I said, this is it. And people were like half-hearted about it. We all agreed to this and you committed yourself, not just to the group, but to the group's expectations of what it means to be a successful member. So then I think they're more likely to fall back in line if they had a 
hand or were involved in at least some way in choosing the expectations for the group. Yeah. And that, you know, in terms of any sort of group, even, you know, a classroom, you know, setting expectations and holding each other accountable, that's a, a theme that comes up a lot. Yeah. And I totally agree, you know, in a group like Fermata, um, I think one of the reasons why while I was in the group, we, you know, we didn't get quite as good as the group is now. I mean, the group this year was seems incredibly strong. Fermata seems like a very strong group now. I feel like we struggled to make an enormous amount of progress while I was in the group because we didn't really have a vision that we all got behind. Yeah. I feel like my freshman year, we started that process um, when the group, you know, faced some growing um, pains and some members left the group. Afterwards, mm -hmm. we kind of got together and thought, OK, what do we want of this group? You know, what is our vision? And we made a lot of progress the, the second half of my freshman year. And I feel like mm -hmm. that um, that process of defining what the group is about, what we want, what our goals are, um, it went by the wayside a little bit during my mm -hmm. remaining years in the group, and it caused some tension because there wasn't a lot of certainty. There wasn't a lot of clarity whether, you know, we wanted to be um, a group that did mostly, say, contemporary pop, which wasn't necessarily exactly what I wanted or whether we wanted, you know, to be whether we wanted to be a group that's very strong musically or whether that wasn't as important to all of us. We didn't really focus on getting widespread agreement about these things. And I think that held us back a little bit. And I'm guessing that sometime between then and now, the group Fermata started having that discussion, started, you know, getting yeah. more clarity on that. Yeah. And for me, that because you had mentioned that before and going into this year after, because we let in for like the, I don't want to say first round, but for like, the main round of auditions, we let in 10 people and we were hoping for 12. And then to those two other spots being uh, two low bases that we wanted and didn't get uh, that we will likely get tonight. Um, and then one tenor had to leave who was in the group because his schedule just honestly, he couldn't fit it in anywhere, um, which happened. So that's why I have those three spots open. But I met with all of the members who uh, got in I met with them individually and I asked, what do you want out of this group? What's your goal for it? And, you know, honestly, there was a lot of, uh, they were like, we're, a lot of people are like, we're down for anything. Um, and I kind of pitched them. I kind of pitched these new members on what I thought would be great for the group, which is one musical excellence, um, not at least for the first semester, not doing insanely difficult pieces as we find our sound, especially with so many members and a I don't want to say above all, because I don't want to say above musical excellence, but really becoming part of the campus community and part of the campus culture. Honestly, I think large tenor-based groups uh, have it really easy in terms of getting people hyped up. I think it's just easier because they can kind of fall on like the quote-unquote boy band model or all these things that's not as common. We have t uh, Mountain Horns has so much potential momentum because of the model is so popular, especially on like, honestly, like on all campuses, I was going to say big state campuses, but all campuses, people really like those kinds of groups. And everyone was really down with that. They think they all, all the members who got in see the potential for, Hey, we could get really big at just, even in just in the Fort Collins, Colorado state university community. And that's going to be a big part of our year going forward. And I also asked all of them about like, what music do you want to do? And I only had like two or three people, maybe actually I think only two say like this specific piece or whatever. Um, and we're all going to vote on that. So 
I think a really good thing to consider is after someone gets in the group, and it's honestly this is so, this was so easy for me because I was the I was the only returning member. Um, when someone gets in the group, if you approach them and ask them individually what they want out of it, um, and at least just like extend that olive branch, just say like, "Hey, what do you want?" Or even if even if you don't consider any other ideas, not actually, don't actually do that. Or even if their ideas aren't that plausible, you have a much better time. I think you'll have a much easier time convincing them to go along with a unified group vision rather than saying, this is what we're doing. Cause I could probably have done that to everyone. And it seems like I probably could have said that to people in Mountain Horns, maybe not that crudely. And it seems like based on their opinions to when I asked them, they sound like they'd all be pretty down for what I have in mind. But um, just because of, you know, how, what their feelings are on the whole thing. But I think we're going to have such an easier time attaining that because we had the opportunity for open discussion. And we're going to have a, we had the individual discussion and we're going to have it all together tonight. And everyone's, you know, said a lot of similar things, which makes me, you know, feel pretty good. But it was, it's nice having that open dialogue about where's this group headed? How do I factor into that? And especially how are we going to get there? Yeah. And I think that also makes the newer members really feel like they're part of the group. They yep. don't feel so much like just the newbies who are, have to go through some kind of hazing process before they're really, <laughs> you know, part of the group. Yeah. I think they really feel like, you know, this is my, this is my group as much as anyone else's. Yep. And, you know, they're going to be much more invested in the success of the group. If they're all if from day one, they really feel like they're part of the group. Yep. That was the thing I really wanted to get across to them. Like, hey, just because I'm going to take a lead. And even in regards to like musical stuff, we are so lucky. We have like, I think I want to say we have seven, maybe eight music majors, which is super lucky. A lot of them music ed. Um, half of them are instrumental. Half of them are vocal. And it's like, those were really great gets. And I, it wasn't just like I want them to say, hey, I'm the musical director and this is how we go. As a music grad student in choral music education, I'll probably, you know, I'm gonna, and mainly honestly, as my role as the only returning member from last year, I'll facilitate this stuff, but I want people to all step up because there are a lot of people with some great acapella experience. And I want to say, Hey, if I'm not catching something, you know, everyone is willing to speak up and I don't need to be like the quote unquote, like, you know, um, dictator director by any means. Cause I don't want that. I don't think I'd be that good at it. Um, so I'm making everything collaborative just creates a really good core to the group overall, I think, both musically, emotionally, commitment-wise, everything. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that, not to brag about the Timbermen or anything, but I think that <laughs> you and eventually all of us did a pretty good job of, you know, really trying to get the newer members involved and trying to, yeah. you know, make sure they had a voice in the group. Yeah, and you know, that's, I will say that is pretty, that is easier when it is only five people. And it's, yes. it is also easy when, they already feel really, really invested because there's one on a part. Everyone feels like they matter a lot, I think. Right. And in a larger group, it can be harder, especially if, you know, especially if there are clear, you know, musical leaders in the group and some new members feel as if they're just kind of following that person. Yeah. And especially if, um, and I get on this a lot for some groups, especially if all the solos are going to one or two people. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was thinking about that the other day. I remember seeing a group who had a great soloist and they performed and it was awesome, but they, um, they had like, there were two songs where it was basically just a big solo and background parts, the, everyone else's background parts. Uh, and they had two of those songs and it was the same soloist for both. Maybe in an individual setting, you look at that and say, Oh wow, this is the best soloist for this. But in terms of your set, uh, 
it was it made it kind of boring. It made it less entertaining. I guess it's just, you know, the case that auditions can be stressful and, you know, getting a new group or getting new people in the group is an adjustment. Yeah. And I think it's important for everyone involved to be as flexible as possible and for the people doing the auditioning to understand, try and get an understanding of what the process is and understand that, you know, people getting auditioned are going to be nervous. They might not immediately seem super, like, positive, super ready to go because, you know. They're freaked out. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, trying to be understanding about what the process is like from the other person's perspective and seeing, looking for potential more than, you know, a polished, you know, performance. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much all the time we have for Talk Appella today. We're going to be right back. Um, we're going to listen to one more tune, and then Greg and I are going to wrap up this episode. So we're going to be right back. Maybe your mama gave you a boy. I said, maybe your daddy didn't love you enough. Girl, how much is
listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. And welcome back to Tacapella. I'm your host, John Lampus, here on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. We just wrapped up another super fun episode with longtime friend of the show and Greg's take... Uh, Greg's takes Greg, I guess is that that's the best way to put it. Uh, Greg Star, Greg, if people want to hit you up, talk about acapella, ask you to, you know, ask if they can throw money at you for an arrangement, how could they do that? <laughs> um, well, the easiest way to reach me is by email. My email is g a s t a r r at seattleschools.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Greg Star's Take, and, and that's Star with yeah. two R's, right? Yes, that's yeah, right. Greg Star's and, yeah, Take. Also, even though we don't have Greg's take this week, um, feel free if you have a question to email it to me and I will feature it on the next episode. Yeah, we got some fun episodes uh, in the bag that were, I know Greg is itching, itching, especially one of them in particular is pretty, pretty you know what I'm talking about, is a pretty <laughs> yeah. funny, uh, pretty funny question. And then everyone, if you want to reach me on Twitter, I am at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S. Please feel free to tweet the station at Acaville Radio, A-C-A-V-I-L-L-E. R-A-D-I-O. You probably didn't need me to spell that out for you, but this has been another fun episode of Tacapella. Greg, thank you so much again for coming on the show. It's always a great episode when you're on. I'm looking forward to Greg's take coming back next week, but thank you for making the time for this this week. Everyone, thanks again for listening to Tacapella. For everything Acapella, stay tuned. I was walking along, minding my business, went out of an orange-colored sky. Let's go.